Yes, uh, I am already recording. We, I was just making sure we don't have the same exact background <laughs> image. Oh, David, it's pretty close. I perfectly framed myself, so I am the... You did. The, uh, I guess, Scream Queen in this. I'm not familiar with this yes, uh, yes. actress, but apparently she's a, a modern one. I think this is the only thing I've seen her in. I didn't watch Midnight Mass. Did you... Did you, but did you watch uh, the show before that that Flanagan did, The Haunting of Hill House? Nope. I haven't seen any of his TV oh. or, you know, Netflix series mm. or whatever. Uh, so I have that seen... That one's good. I don't I don't know about Midnight Mass. I didn't watch that, but I did watch Hill House, which was quite good. Uh, but she's been in his films as well, like Oculus. I've seen that. I just don't really remember. There was a redhead in it. What do you want from me? Like, right? That's, that's the... Yeah. We, this is why he'll like Oculus better than this because the redhead lasts longer. Mm. Is that? <laughs> I, I think I favor Hush, although, uh, and that's mm. the film we're talking about. By the way, we'll do a little better. Oh, look at us getting right into it. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to admit, I was somewhat motherfucking you though, as far as giving you back-to-back mm. picks because I mentioned last week. Uh, you really have to buy in to a blind woman being terrorized and dave's like how about a deaf woman (laughs) how about a deaf mute woman i'm gonna really (sighs) raise the ante here all of my emotions feel the same feel the same you don't like where this is going look away look away you're not in my way did like this the first time I watched this, which is, is this a, a, you know, a Netflix original? They bought the rights yeah. to it at, at South by, I believe, but, um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, I did watch this, I guess when it was, I think relatively new in 2016 and remember enjoying it, especially the runtime. Cause I think it's one of those like 80 some minute, movies. 81 minutes, man. It flies by 70 yes. of them with no dialogue. I would, you know, yeah. so Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> it's one of those things that, uh, I just watched it just this evening before recording, um, come home from work, a little bit of a rough day. Uh, I, you know, just had a birthday. Dave, uh, went to watch the Godfather, uh, the Coda, the part three, which wasn't dramatically <laughs> better <laughs> with me <laughs> for my birthday. Was there a difference? <laughs> I'm going to do a podcast on it. Subscribe to Trilogy in Theory. Uh, for our, our month on um, slightly not good part threes. We'll come up with a better title, but that's the kickoff. <laughs> um, but the point I had for today is that I'm feeling my age because I had to well, I have a hard conversation with uh, an employee, but just mm. I could not connect with what I perceived to be a meltdown that I was witnessing over... <laughs> effectively uh just what is the job <laughs> and it really like witnessing it you're mad because <laughs> i'm asking you to do your job that's but, that's what we're saying witnessing okay. it from the outside Ooh. it's like this is having such an effect on this person that it made me question how i've spent my prior years i'm like good lord am i missing something should i have been having a meltdown like this <laughs> is is this hell on earth what i've been living through and i just watched too many movies to distract myself you just didn't notice yeah yes. which is you know discomforting dave to have that 
that feeling of <laughs> doubt slash dread about one's existence. <laughs> I love, I just love this parallel processing that's happening as this person is clearly distressed, <laughs> having a meltdown. Mike's like, huh, but me, what about, what about me? <laughs> I, look, I am an asshole. You've, I don't know. This is episode 60 or whatever this is of this feed. And if you've followed myself and Dave around, there's thousands of hours of other shit that we've done. <laughs> so yes, I, I can, uh, I'm an asshole, but I did feel like I, I wouldn't say exhausted the, the reason and logic to avoid said meltdown. Um, it just caught me so off guard that that was even an option on the table that it forced me <laughs> right. to, to do some self-reflection. Of course, Dave has called it. I do like to think about myself more than pretty much anything else <laughs> other than movies. So I come home from this odd experience at work, slightly stressful, questioning my existence. And I'm like, oh, okay. This lovely author and her uh, best friend, and she's apparently you know had a bad breakup. Let's watch her go through something extremely traumatic. Uh, the you know, spoiler alert: the death of her friend, which happens fairly early. Uh, and it's is, like eight minutes into the movie. It is as quick. used as a prop by the filmmakers, by the antagonist, by the hero uh, in search for mm -hmm. an iPhone. Uh, I totally got that. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> yet again, Dave, I was conflicted because like I I like this movie. I've liked it before. I'm not liking <laughs> watching this right now. <laughs> I don't, I need comfort. <laughs> and and we're getting ready to go so, into October, you know, so it's like, it's going to be a season of horror films, presumably. Did I yeah, mention I watched The yeah. Godfather Part 3 with Dave? So, I mean, we've already <laughs> kicked that off. That's hor horrible. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's different. Uh, so do you think, how much of this was based on, because I'm definitely this type of person where my mood mm. will influence how I view a movie, like if I'm in like not necessarily a bad mood, but the wrong mood for a certain genre of movie, like if I, you know, like the same reason you removed me from one of your other podcasts, if I had just like ended a long-term relationship <laughs> and it's like, oh, let's watch this really happy romance. Like, man, fuck this. I'm not interested. I am <laughs> so pleased that you brought this up because uh, I have been going through my uh, older podcasts. Dave is specifically citing The Grand Gesture, which... You know, now it's slightly pivoted, kind of away from just pure romance. <laughs> but no, it's a Batman podcast. <laughs> half the time, pivoted. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for my co-host on that show now, Derek, the Batman episodes do dramatically worse than the romance ones that get mixed <laughs> in. Like, <laughs> no one wants to hear it. But I'm listening to like I think I've made it all the way back up through like the first twenty that you and I did, mm -hmm. uh, and <laughs> you can. Like tell where your personal life kind of goes off a cliff because you become so disengaged from everything. Like you're still you're still bantering with me. The mean spiritedness was still there, but as far as getting into the weeds on whatever romantic couple we chose for that week, you have like no interest in like any any of the movies. Like which is funny. The first ten episodes very interested doing your pop culture case study bit really engaged <laughs> then it, the drift and begins it's, it's, so, it's so interesting because like i was just listening to you know your latest episode which was on trouble with the curve of all classic. things classic <laughs> just yeah classic rom-com and not i provide rom-coms okay that's it had amy adams no. what, what do you want from me dave come on no. that's, that's the best i could do 
And all I kept thinking is like, man, uh, the where I'm at right now in my life, I could I could do this show. Like I could do a rom com <laughs> show. It's completely flipped the other side. Now I'm happy and ready to be married again. And you've moved on to fucking Batman. I mean, you <laughs> can come back and just be the rom com chair. You know, you can skip the Batman episodes um, happily. Look, happily. as of this recording, uh, you know. In like six hours, an episode of The Grand Gesture that Dave came on to record about a year and a half ago on Dracula. I, I Oh my God. I edited the thing and it's 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 piping hot. It's fresh takes from early 2021 <laughs> referencing the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day and whatever else. So check, Perfect. check that so, feed out. So all that to say. We are like talking the, hush. Your mood. I did, I did mention that at the top. Your mood does matter. <laughs> Yes, yes. Your mood going into a movie like this does matter because, you know, as you, we kind of joked about it in our last episode on Wait Till Dark. It's like, man, I don't know if I really want to watch this blind woman Mm -hmm. be attacked Mm -hmm. for, you know, an hour and a half to two hours. And this is definitely more brutal, I would say, than Wait Until Dark. Uh, Although I think, I think a more interesting protagonist uh that wait until dark and a better lead performance is it because she's an um, artist like for me i'm like oh she's she's uh she's got a rich uh inner life as far as the, like she's an author um i mentioned the best friend unfortunately it seems like she has like a a cool support system of people and i also am really grateful in the movie another slight spoiler they don't get too much into the lost lover thing. It's not like he shows up or something. Um, it's mainly used as a you know text messagey Skype call plot point that the uh, home invader is aware that there's no cavalry coming you know over the, the the hillside. Yeah, I just think this character in particular feels stronger. Um, she feels more self assured. Um, there's a whole sequence where she's having a Skype conversation with her sister and her sister like basically is telling her, get back out there. Don't be so isolated. And she kind of, you know, she releases a little bit of this anger because this is a character who has this lack of ability now because of an illness. This was, again, just like Wait Until Dark, actually, not something she was born with. And she kind of responds like, I didn't choose isolation. Isolation chose me. Like, I was not just born into this. Like, I had this really unfortunate thing happen. So she comes off um, a little more aggressive, a little stronger, a little more self-assured. And some of that is because in Wait Until Dark, as a comparison, it feels like that, that just happened. To her, so she hasn't kind of come into her own and understood kind of what her life is going to be like. Whereas this character definitely does. It happened when she was thirteen years old, so she's lived in this kind of new reality for quite a long time, and and so she is a lot more self assured. And and of course, there's still this kind of background of this quote unquote weakness, this 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 thing that gets in her way because of you know this home invader. You know, obviously she cannot hear him, so she has to be much more aware of her other senses and what's going on. But I think it's actually just kind of a wonderful lead performance. Mm. Um, I I do I I it makes me wonder, like you know the the landscape of representation changes so quickly. It does make me wonder if this movie came out in two thousand twenty two. Are we having the discussion of like why can't we have a deaf actress play this mm. role? Um, 
you know, and this was only six years ago. Right. Um, and I don't remember hearing much about that. But again, this was kind of a surprise hit for Netflix. This wasn't something I don't think that people were like, oh, we can't wait to see Hush. It just kind of came on the scene and people kind of freaked out about it. Like, oh, this is so amazing. Mike Flanagan. So you're you saying know, all that stuff. Perhaps the scale of it. Um, it's not like anyone was looking at it. Like if, you know, Spielberg did a, a, a huge production, it's like right. that could have, that could have been their break if you open this up. Yeah. Whereas this was, uh, from what I gathered, Mike Flanagan and, uh, Kate Siegel, the, the lead actress were dating when they, uh, the trivia I saw mm-hmm. was they were on a date and they started sort of pitching this idea back and forth. Like they're throwing the ball around, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I guess I don't feel as comfortable as far as like. Uh, well, we're going to take that role from you because this feels like something like uh, even in the uh, sure. the scripting phase of it, since there's no dialogue, they they sort of plotted it out in their own home as far as, well, what if this? What if that? Sort of like our character does as far as running through the, the endings and they just use yes. their own home to figure out how like they're staging it, literally staging it. Um Gen- to answer too many your, doors in that house, man. Too many doors in that house. Uh, you know, <laughs> curtains apparently not a thing in like you know uh, horror movies. <laughs> yes. Really, only only upstairs. That's yeah. that's it. <laughs> um, to answer your question more broadly, that, that that conversation kind of makes me uncomfortable because on the I can logically understand it because um, someone who is deaf uh, they would probably have to make the character deaf. As far as if they just got a part that maybe was not written for someone that that and right. so yes, it's like they're so limited in as far as like uh, roles that they have that sort of ability to see themselves in, and then they don't get to play that part. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I do, <laughs> I don't want to remove the acting from acting. Like it's all, and you know, I mean, it's somewhat dismissive mm-hmm. of it as a craft that uh, we have to have someone who has lived whatever you're portraying exactly. And I know that's not that's not what generally most people are asking for here, though I can see you taking right. that, that that extreme step. I've seen some of that with, um, you know, since we'll try to release these you know, relatively quickly now on schedule. Uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, again, for The, mm. the Whale, as yeah. far as uh, to to make him look larger, like you know, there's the whole thing with like actors in a, in a fat suit. Why did you do that? Um, I don't know much about that movie. I, I, I think he's playing a, a gay man as well, and you know, so it's like you could go down the list as far as sure. um, you know who should portray these characters. I I, I mean I I, I hate to <laughs> yes. him. I'm I'm a straight white guy, of course. Let me just get that out of the way, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> like um that's not just a shield for that but also like i don't know man like there's just there's so many things in this world to like be concerned with for <laughs> yeah, for hush specifically true. uh i would say that it gives me a positive reaction that it's something that's so home brewed and so small scale right. that it should allow uh, artists of any ilk to concoct some version right. of this um Mm-hmm. But yeah, Dave, wait a, you know, now you're trying to make me, yeah, I didn't just, really enjoy this. Now I'm like, oh, lay, laying the trap. God, for like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but I, one of the things I love about this, when we actually got in a conversation uh, with my fiance, Tessa about it, is that I love that we never really find out much of anything about our villain here, other than he's killed a fair amount of people. You see the kind of hash marks. Mm on his on his weapon but that's it no that's always much more scary to me 
Um, this is why I like when it comes to horror movies, like my favorite horror franchise is Halloween. Uh, because especially in the first one, like there's no reason he just does. And then they just keep um, talking and, about and him. You're left... <laughs> yes. <laughs> ever yes, and ever. Yes. And it's like, I like the fact that we don't really get context. And, and she was like, she was kind of dying to know, like, what, who is this I have guy? A like, where does he I have come a from? Okay. You're not going to like it, All Dave. Right. He's short. He's short. And that's a plot point. <laughs> because that's valid. He, he assesses, uh, you know, a male character that, that shows up. Um, and yes. even keep, he, like, repeatedly keeps saying, like, I had a, what, I had two and ten chance of, like, winning two that fight ten. with you. This linebacker. If, yes. I, if I didn't have a knife on me and I, you know, also didn't get the drop on you because you were momentarily distracted. Uh, that gives me all I need to know because he clearly enjoys mm-hmm. toying. Uh, with this woman now he doesn't he he hasn't targeted her right as far as we know like he has to sort of test he doesn't seem to know that she can't hear him until he now he also doesn't seem to care he does kill someone right in front of the kitchen window but then after that's done he's like wait a minute this person didn't hear any of that notice yeah (laughs) um but given the locale um and he seems to have picked off like a woman sort of walking in the woods on her own uh, he is a, a coward, as he's called later by our uh, heroine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, he is picking on uh, those that should be relatively defenseless and isolated uh, again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the performance, I don't I don't know much about John Gallagher, except uh, he was in the newsroom. Right, like an ad, which... yep. and and Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think he was also in. Oh, I know yeah. one of your very favorite movies. Yeah. One of Mike's. <laughs> yeah, this is better than than that. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> um, both, I guess. Did that also come out in 2016? Was he having a moment like as far yeah, as yeah? That was community? his year. It's it's really interesting to to watch his career because I didn't actually watch the newsroom until. Like maybe three months ago, hmm. um, like we got I into never, you I, I all saw, of a sudden. I saw a Tessa. She was like, "It's really good. I'll be happy to watch it with you again." I was like, "Okay." I had seen episode one, and it's got that like great speech uh, mm. in the beginning. I was like, "Okay, yeah, I'll get back to this," and then just never did. Um, so my image of John Gallagher Jr. is this. Okay. Um, so watching him in the newsroom was very strange. Like it was just like, wait, he's uh, he's nice. Uh, clean cut, uh, kind of awkward. Like, oh, oh, okay. I'm used to this because the scene I will probably always remember from this movie, um, it's not bloody. It's not gory. It's not over the top. It's like, she writes a note to him basically saying, I haven't seen your face. I won't tell anybody. And then he sees it and then just looks at her and slowly takes mm. off the mask. And and that's when I, I had the moment of like, and I think every great horror movie has this moment where the oh shit moment where you're like, oh, it's about to get real. Um, it's about to get really disturbing. And that's the moment for me in this movie where he just stares her down and it's like, now you've seen my face. Now what? Like now, now we're going to play this game until it's over for one of us. And I, I really like that moment. I think it's a really smartly written uh, movie by, you know, both our lead actress and Mike Flanagan. And who knows, it's, you know, you brought up this idea of they kind of pitched it back and forth. It makes me wonder what the actual writing process was like as they kind of hammered this down. And because it's such a tight script, like it's like, as, as we mentioned, like 80 minutes long, there's basically one scene 
uh, before the action starts. Like there's a scene where her and the her and her neighbor talk for a little bit, and then she goes back in her house, and then neighbor is dead. Like it, it, you, it, you don't it, count the it, uh, the kitchen almost burning down as like a, a little action. That's the explosion, you know, before we yeah, get to the yeah. rest of it. <laughs> it's it's like yeah, it's just like it's so quick, and I always, and I've seen this movie three times now because uh, it's an easy movie to rewatch because it's so short. Um, but I always forget how quickly the movie jumps off. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not used to that because usually horror movies do the opposite thing. It's the Wes Craven thing. They'll have like a, an attack in the very beginning as the credits open. And then they'll kind of slow it down uh, because you're like, okay, we got some gore already crowd. This weird crowd is satiated for a bit. And then we can kind of build the story. Whereas this is just like, okay, here is some context. This woman's a writer. Um, this is her disability. Uh, this is her friend. Okay, now everyone dies. Like, it's just so quick. Well, and it's a mean little movie. Yes. Like, I, that's what I, was, I really dig I was about it. to say the cruelty uh, of introducing uh, these connections that our uh, main character has um, is that Maddie is, you know, with the technology. Because that, that was one thought I had. It was like, wow, this movie's already, it's already slightly dated as far as when you were talking about him removing his mask because it's a really effective use of technology as an ability to have a community so even if you feel isolated mm -hmm. um you have the you know the skype call now would be zoom or whatever maybe you're doing right. a stupid fucking podcast uh maybe you're a guy going through something and you don't want to do a rom-com podcast anymore <laughs> you just bring your baggage on to the episodes that increasingly get more depressing <laughs> But I thought about, okay, like ring cameras now, um, mm -hmm. because I think yeah. in 2016, this is very effective as far as, okay, we can remove the laptop, the FaceTime, uh, because she can't hear him. He can slide the phone away, remove that, then use that to torment her. Um, but also just as a side note, side note, before you continue, that is the scariest part of the entire movie to me, that sequence where he sends her the photos of herself mm. from her phone. I was like, man, I would have like, if that happened to me, I would have lost my mind. Like a text from myself with pictures of me right now. Like I was like, uh, I remember when I first watched this movie, that was the moment where I was like, oh no. And a very, a very <laughs> effective. Is, I would not do well. I would not do well in this. In this situation. Effective reveal, and also the way she plays it, where she she's frozen as far as where yeah like, where do I turn? Uh, I mean, you could do the the yeah. Dioma Thurman Pulp Fiction adrenaline shot and just fucking fly off the handle and just run, yes. you know, <laughs> pick your spot <laughs> and go, go full speed. Uh, which yeah. you know maybe how yeah, I would I would approach it, but um, <laughs> the the removal of the technology is also uh, you know the removal of her ability to communicate with anyone else, which because of her situation is, uh, it is far more mean spirited. It's not just like, Oh, we need to cut the power, cut the phone line. So they can't call the cops. It's like, we are going to truly isolate her. So she is just totally alone. Uh, there's one sequence near the end where she's alone with her thoughts on the various options she has survive. And they, you know, the, the walls keep, uh, shrinking in on her as far as like that won't work, that won't work, that won't work, and you you see mm -hmm. that the the game that he's trying to play. Normally, I hate that with villains, where it's like I'm I'm a cat playing with my my food. Mm -hmm. Here, though, I, I think it's it is incredibly effective. Um, I do like that he has trouble uh, from <laughs> from the get go. That's probably my yeah. biggest pet peeve with home invasion movies is. 
the uh, just the chutzpah you have to have to just walk into someone's house and not know, are they going to swing a bat at your head? Like, you don't know right. how fucking yeah. nuts these people are. You don't know if they're, you know, Dave has now moved to Kentucky. Or are they a gun nut that's just like, now is my time. I can legally kill. I've wanted to legally kill for so like, long. That is that is one of your other co-hosts. There are no guns in this house. I know your other friends in Kentucky like yeah. to shoot you when you show up. But. Yeah, subscribe to Sober Cinema or or don't because uh, he's a prick. Uh, Dangerous. But, um, yeah, just a baseball bat for me. So if you want to come to my house and a pit bull, yeah. who probably would do yeah. most of the work. I think I think you're burying the lead there. I think that would be most of the work. I'm glad you brought up that sequence where essentially she's talking to herself. Mm-hmm. They again, such a smart script. For there's two things that I want to mention. One is that she talks about the writer brain that she has that her her mom deemed it where she sees all these different endings and that's what makes her such a good writer and the movie kind of instills this because they have a sequence where you think oh my god they just killed her lead character and then it's like no this is just her kind of working through it and then you hear the voice with you know our protagonist's face kind of coach you through this which is really clever because it's it's tough to make even an 85 minute movie where you have basically one character stock on stocking on the outside and one character on the inside who doesn't talk so you can't it's hard to communicate some things it would be very hard for you to communicate all that you need to without any dialogue at all so that gives us a chance to kind of work through it as an audience i really like that and the other thing is I tend to get annoyed with like Chekhov's guns uh, in movies, and I think they hit it really well in this movie. And I only really noticed it on rewatches that the final weapon that she uses is featured in like one of the first shots of of the movie, mm-hmm. and you don't really realize that's what he's doing. Flanagan is very clever at kind of hiding things in plain sight, and it's just. This is a movie that, like, to me, maybe because it's so short, it doesn't really have any glaring weaknesses that stand out to me. Like, it's so tightly written that you're just like, yeah, there's no real only one missteps. Only here. one. Okay, go and ahead. And it's a literal misstep for me. Um, towards the end of the film, she is, uh, you know, his little fucking dorkly, dorky legless bow that he's using because he's, you know, I guess he probably is a gun nut. But you know the sport of yeah. uh, of hunting people down. He's yeah, yes. He's going to attack or someone who's too loud. I'm going to attack someone who can't <laughs> hear me, who's totally alone. But I'm still giving them more of a chance than if I had an Uzi or something uh, ridiculous. <laughs> so she manages to acquire this weapon. Finally, even though she's already injured, gets off a shot, hits him square in the chest. I don't know what tactical gear he's wearing. Whatever. I don't have a problem with that as much as she sort of stands there. To, to watch and then <laughs> runs back to the house and then is like, Oh crap, I need my, I need my bow. I need, I need my ammunition in case I want to get another shot off. And it's, mm. it's, it plays a little bit like we need to finally top ourselves as far as the, uh, the sort of body horror, the sort of gore porn Oof. with the, the hand, that hand in the door. Thing, yeah. man, that's rough. Ooh. But yeah. I also, I also I, always, you're supposed to root against the villains. I, feel like what you're putting this woman through psychologically is bad enough for me, like impending death. Mm, mm. I don't really need to see her physically get as beat up as, as him. I enjoy seeing them like, mm. you know, your next is my, my favorite modern 
Home Invasion uh, movie because one. these fucking yeah. fools just start getting the shit kicked out of them. You know, it starts to they get, get rough. wrecked. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I love it. Love seeing that. Uh, also the accent, you know, of our hero that, that works for me. So, um, that's, that's it. That was the only thing I didn't remember it. And of course I did not much care for it because, right. um, that, the only thing, the only misstep for me is like, I'm trying to figure out how she's able to type so quickly with one good hand. Mm. I was like, when she's writing and I, but I do love the fact like, I, and that's a really great emotional moment that's literally just words on screen and her face backlit mm-hmm. where she's saying like, you know, saying goodbye to her family, telling them that she loves them and saying, I died fighting. Like, that's a beautiful moment. Like, I really, really enjoy that. But as she's typing, I'm like, man, I can't type that fast with two hands. How did she, well, I mean, how she's, did she manage? But she's writing her, you know, her, her death note. And I, yeah. I love that it's juxtaposed with his, how ineffectual he is as far as breaking in. He goes to get his fucking crowbar out of the car and then he's like, God damn it, I can't break okay. these windows. Okay. <laughs> as I'm watching this, I'm like, motherfucker, will you hit the same spot twice? <laughs> like, you just keep spreading it around. Like, I don't know if you know anything about physics, but if you hit the same spot a bunch of times, that motherfucker's going to break. Mm-hmm. But no, let me spread out the spider webbing through both doors. Like, yeah, you, you need doing? your jock buddy now, you don't you? Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you need that linebacker to help you out, I guess. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, I was I was pleasantly surprised that this one holds up for me. With, with a movie like this, with especially, honestly, with a lot of home invasion movies, like when you get away from the shock of it, you know, something like The Strangers or even Your Next, like sometimes it can it can kind of decrease in value, like as you rewatch it. But this one, man, it really works for me. It's really creepy. It's really fun. I really like the protagonist. I like I like the villain in the sense that he's kind of a like a like a blank slate. Like there's there's not much actually to him, so you can kind of put on whatever mm. you need to. All you need to know is he's creepy and he's a little bit dangerous, but he's also he's someone who he, I was gonna say <laughs> and it he is him. someone who <laughs> he is someone who can be defeated. Whereas like when you look at the like the kind of slasher genre like when you look at Jason, or you look at Michael Myers, like that guy's like six foot eight and two hundred eighty pounds of muscle. Like I'm not gonna stand toe to toe with that guy. This guy, I might have a shot, and and she has a shot too. So it doesn't come off as unbelievable when when she is able to kick him off the roof or you know attack him with the hammer or whatever she needs to do. Like that stuff all really really works. And what I'm saying is this movie is like a hundred times the movie Wait Until Dark is. Mm, yes. Uh, like so much better, so much better. Fantastic. Better performances, better writing, uh, better stakes. Uh, the you know we talked about like the plot contrivances of Wait Until Dark. This has none of that. Like they all you need to know is she's a writer. You don't have Let's other go. bad guys that start to develop a crush on Audrey Hepburn, and they're like, actually, I'm good. <laughs> right. If you just give me the doll, like, I'm sorry about the troubles. Um, and you know what the best part is, Mike? No kids. No kids. No kids. Uh, last bit of trivia: John Gallagher is the uh, villain here. Is credited as the man, but I believe because of his height, uh, his character's name was actually Hyro. Short man. Hyro is actually. His uh, name. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice, very well played. I like it. I cannot add anything better to that. Well, well done. Michael. I've got a little bit of a, a preview, a little change of pace because we have we have at least one more horror movie and probably another. You know, because that'll that'll take us through October that we'll want to talk about. Uh, one of them is a new release, but 
uh, as a, God, a, a blissful change of pace, I'm taking my cue from you where you have subjected me to this. Always a bad idea. Well, That's... we're going to go the other way. Uh, we're going to go, you know, with Mike, we're going to go with something that has sex in the title. Uh, you have okay. uh, removed uh, sight and sound and your like horrific selections. I'm going to put a new Jason Siegel fucking Cameron Diaz and sex tape as my choice, which is oh. on stars. You know, I never saw that stars this month okay. and has a 16%. <laughs> I was about to shortchange. Nice. I was about to say 14. <laughs> Let me correct myself. 16% on Rotten 16. Tomatoes compared to Hush, which had a 93%. So okay. I'm glad we gave you so an opportunity w- to do like a modern film. That's not, you know, in a book yet, but yeah. we'll probably be seen as a classic, you know, 20 years from now. So I demand to know if you just did this on purpose, but this is the first movie I've done that's not on a list. And you just said I removed sight and sound, mm-hmm. as in the sight and sound mm-hmm. list. Very well mm-hmm. done. Very well done. Yeah, that's I'm that's to our you know cinephile peeps out there. You know you gotta yeah. play with the nerd humor. Whereas er- <laughs> yes. and the best way to do it is that if you know unfortunately you called it out, uh, a normal person would not even acknowledge that as a joke. So yes, because <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't recognize <laughs> it. They're like what the fuck are you talking about? But you know here we are. <laughs> Cameron Diaz so, fake naked next week. I don't think she's actually new in this film, but. Jason Siegel might be. I bet you there's an ass shot. He probably is. He loves to get naked. God bless him. Yeah. Him and Kevin Bacon. They just like every movie. Two very different (laughs) physiques, but we'll take it.